Got car trouble. Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, pissing, clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Good morning, Southern Arizona and the rest of you out there in cyberspace. Welcome to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPNTucson.com. 14.90 a.m. on your dial or 104.9 f.m. on the other dial. And welcome to the show. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host. Oh, and by the way, if you want a podcast on this, you can pick it up on Spotify, Sketches, Stitches, and ESPNTucson.com. Uh, that's, in, that's in case you get up late and you want to see what what information I put out previous. And by the way, you can go back and pick up the old ones too if you want to. But that's the information I keep. Uh, I really forget to tell you about every Saturday because I'm just, you know, I guess I'm crazy or something. But anyway, you should be able to get it. Um, this portion of the show is brought to you by my buddy over at... Uh, Spectrum, Ina Road Auto Collision, 4425 West Ina Road. That's behind the Jiffy Lube and the car wash. 744-4454 is the phone number there. They do everything to a car that needs to be done, from painting the hot spots on the roof like I just spotted on my little stinking CRV. Uh, of course, when you sit out and let it cook, you know, it has a tendency to get to hot spots. But... Hot spots on the roof, they can do it without uh, repainting the whole car, repainting the whole car. They can go ahead and match it up. It's great. It's great. Any fender benders you got, they'll take care of it. Spectrum Minor Road Auto Collision, 4425 West Iner Road behind Jiffy Lube and a car wash, 744-4454. They are open on Saturday morning, a half a day. All right. The winter time has come and shocked the crap out of a whole lot of people. <clears throat> I like to watch the the uh, weather channel, and I watch it from coast to coast because I've got relatives all scattered all over the from Tennessee all the way to northern Virginia. And I, I, you know, you sit there, you go, "Oh boy, I sure am glad I'm in Arizona. I sure am glad I'm in Arizona." Two days ago, I got up, walked down to the barn to feed my animals. It was 24.8 degrees down there. I like to froze to death. In 10 minutes, I like to froze to death. I told myself, I said, Self, I'm going to move to Arizona. And then it hit me. You are in Arizona. But it's cold. 
Uh, you're going to have the tire monitor setting again. I was at, pulled in a gas up the other day, yesterday, and I noticed uh, three cars in line. And one guy was talking to the lady in front of him and said, did your light come on tell you your tires were low? And she said, yeah. And I didn't even waste my time. You know, they'll figure it out. Either that or they can listen to the show and I'll tell them. When it gets cold over two or three days uh, and it's consistent, your tire pressure drops. And those tire pressure monitors operate within a parameter. So when it drops down just out of the parameter, then the light comes on. And you think, oh, my gosh, I got a nail in my tire. No, nah, don't panic. Just just look at the weather. If it's really, really cold, but little caveat to that, all four tires go down the same, so or within a pound or two. And so when you start, don't assume <laughs> that it's just a – a cold weather that's taking your tire down because the nails, they don't really care if it's cold or not. You can still pick them up. Tucson's got a phenomenal amount of construction going on and nails happen. So, uh, you get out and look at your tires, especially if it's pulling to the right or to the left. If it's pulling to the right, then get out and, uh, if you have, if the car is pulling to the right, it's probably the right front or right rear, mostly right front because it normally pulls with the front end, or the left. But get out and check it to see what it's doing. If the car is pulling to the left, what you're going to feel in the steering wheel is you're going to be hanging on to the steering wheel, pulling it to the right. And if a tire is low on the front right, it's going to be pulling to the right, therefore you're going to be hanging on to it. The steering wheel is going to be going counterclockwise to the left. So that'll give you a way to to actually check it out. But do so. Don't panic. Just 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 pay attention. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about is seem that we have uh, we it's out of sight, out of mind. The cooling system, cooling system on the car is a phenomenal little animal. It does a lot of things, and in the second hour, we're going to get into how the coolant cooling actually affects the automatic transmission, but we're going to get into it in detail with Scott from um, Parker Automotive. So I'm going to hang on to the transmission part, but I do want to get into what you're going to be facing if, if that cooling system's not up, up to snuff. Now, for the ones of you that don't know, I'm going to tell you what that cooling system does for an automobile. The engine cooling system affects your car's, car's overall dependability and engine longevity. Cooling systems have advanced over the years with new coolant formulations and new radiator designs and material. If you suspect a problem with the cooling system, you should have it checked immediately. The key parts of the cooling system remove heat from the engine and automatic transmission and disperse the heat to the air outside. The water pump circulates coolant through the engine. The coolant absorbs heat and returns it to the radiator where heat is dissipated. The thermostat regulates the coolant temperature to keep it consistent for efficient engine operations. The typical wear and tear on a cooling system is factors that affect the replacement of cooling system parts include driving habits, 
if you're driving and you run that thing like a racehorse, just a drag car or something like that, and you're pulling a mountain for sustained, long-loaded, either towing or the vehicle is has about an extra 500 pounds in it and it's a little SUV, you're going to be creating a lot of heat because the engine's having to work harder, transmission's having to work harder, and they're all tied together. That's operating conditions. The type of vehicle that you have, if you've got a uh, a half-ton truck, it's set up to only work with a half-ton, it don't have the Arizona cooling package on it, and you hook a trailer to it and take off to the mountains, and you hit the high, long grades, you're going to be running a little temperature up on on the engine. The type of coolant is very important. You have the GM, which uh, is a brown, and then you have the, there is 13 different colors of transmission fluid, all right? And I don't expect you to remember all of them. I expect you to be able to look under the vehicle when it's sitting on a, on a level ground or a, not even a level ground if you're parked on concrete, and you can see some kind of fluid or liquid under the car. Take a look at it. If it shows uh, clear, it's probably brake fluid. If it shows uh, a brown, it's probably, hopefully, it's just motor oil, engine oil. Uh, if it's red, it's probably transmission fluid. If it's uh, brown or something that you can't identify, it's a weird color, it's probably the cooling system. So that you need to really pay attention to and get it in. Symptoms from automotive, cooling systems, overheating, and that's that's obvious, but, you know, sometimes you lose a lot of water before it gets to that stage, and there's a reason for it. Sweet smell. You get a sweet smell, like on the inside of it, where the antifreeze comes in through the heater control box, the heater cooler, um, and it'll leak out and hit the carpet, and then it'll smell like a sweet smell on the inside. Frequently needing to add fluid. Fluid on the radiator is going to dissipate about uh, 1% a year. If you've got a closed system, it'll evaporate about 1% per year. And uh, actually, it's it's not even 1%. It's 0.25%. And it'll go probably within four to six months. So if you're pouring in a quart every week, uh, you've got a problem with the, the system. You need to get it taken care of to make sure it's not going to blow the head gaskets out from under it. Keep in mind, if you don't change it, elect, you have electrolysis inside of a cooling system. And that's because of the water circulating across the different metals and stuff like that. And it's actually create. It reminds me of walking down the hall and your favorite pair of uh, bedroom shoes with a rubber sole. And you're dragging your feet along, and or you, or leather will also do it. And then when you get down to the end of the hall, you open the closet door, the uh, closed ham- closed door, uh, closet door, you know, to get a towel out or something like that. And you arc the electricity from your hand to the door handle. Same thing happens inside of a cooling system. That water just keeps moving and moving and moving and moving. If your transmission or your coolant is dirty, it will cause 
electrolysis to just keep working and getting worse and worse and worse. So don't ignore the cooling systems on these automobiles because you will pay the price later. Now, on the uh, some of the some of the cars like Hyundai, most models you can change a coolant at sixty thousand miles. Mercedes at thirty thousand, but others can go one twenty or twelve years, and other Mercedes can go a hundred and fifty thousand miles or fifteen years. GM uh, advertise 150K regardless of how you drive it, okay? I have a little problem with that one, but that's GM's. I've seen otherwise. Uh, Vehicles other than GM uh, say heavy-duty, frequent towing because of more heat generated. Now, that's in the GM also. They say you're going to have to change it a little, little quicker. 50-50 antifreeze is recommended just about across the board. Do not run 100% antifreeze in your car. 50-50 will cover just about anything we need in southern Arizona. The most you can go is 70-30. That's the most. Trust me, you do not need 70-30 in Arizona. It don't stay cold enough, long enough to work the 70-30. 30 is going to make any difference. And they've tested 50-50 mixture, and it just it, it fills the bill. A Honda 2018, two years every 30,000 miles. That's on a Honda 2018, people. That's a new one. Two years, 30,000. So you got Honda with two years, 30,000. You got GM says you can go 150,000. You got some of the other cars, the Mercedes. Benz on one of the smaller ones is thirty thousand. On the bigger Mercedes, it goes one hundred and fifty thousand with fifteen or fifteen years. If it's liquid, it's designed to be changed. Okay, so you just go to your owner's manual. Go to Severe Duty is a big player. What do you do with that vehicle? That goes under driving conditions, driving habits. Antifreeze can be tested. You can pull into Simmons, Parker Automotive, uh, Brian over at Automotive Specialist, Mr. Test First on Guest. They, we've got test strips that you can put in there to see what the condition of your antifreeze is. Um, once a system is compromised, as in you pull a radiator hose or you change the radiator hose, it's been out a long time now. Like, and I haven't seen it really the other way. Go two year, 24,000 miles. If you're driving a diesel, like I've got my 218 diesel, I'm required to go two years, 24,000 miles on the antifreeze change because of the electrolysis and the inability for it to go down. All right, who we got on the line? Uh, we got Jim on line one. Oh, good. Bring him on. Jim, good, good morning. morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How is it going with you? It's going fine. I'm glad you didn't have anything else to do but join me this morning. 
Well, I, you know, it's it, it's early morning. We get it. We get up and go to work in the morning. And I, I heard you on, and you're chiming on about uh, uh, electrolysis and uh, cooling systems. Um, I'm glad you come on because I've I I, I already have ant questions for you on those. So you well, just fill me in on what you know about electrolysis. You work with it on a daily basis. You see this stuff. Fill me in. So electrolysis in the cooling system, that's that's really kind of interesting. I, I didn't believe it until I saw it, and this has been about 30 years ago. It happens. It's really frequent on, on big trucks, especially dissimilar metals, so aluminum and cast iron. Um, and what happens is, is the like just exactly what you said, the flow of the of the coolant creates a, an electric charge. And and what you'd think is, well, that just it just charges the whole system. No, no, it doesn't do that. What it does is it creates a pinpoint arc, like a like an arc welder or like an electric shock, and it starts to drill a hole uh, repetitively at one point. And it looks. When you when you pull the systems apart, uh, what it looks like it looks like you took a drill and drilled a hole right through like a cylinder wall or through a oil cooler or something. It looks like a woodpecker sat there and pecked on it, and it's it's really kind of interesting because it's it's undetectable. You can't tell it's happening. You cannot tell the electrolysis is happening until the until the the event has occurred, and now the leak has happened. I've seen it on on big truck engines where you pull where you're able to pull the cylinders apart because on a on a semi truck you can remove the cylinders and the piston assembly and then reinstall a new one for what they call an in frame or a rebuild and you can actually see the uh, electrolysis occur. Usually occurs at the base um, and it completely it ruins the motor. You can't run it because now the water is in the in the uh, oil system and it, it's done. So the on, on semi trucks, they actually have a filter that ca- helps counteract it. In old Cadillacs, they used to have the old, the little pellets that you put in for the dissimilar metal right. uh, co- right. collusion. There are additives today to help combat this. The the uh, twelve year oil or twelve year antifreeze change. I don't know who thought that up. I, I can't even imagine twelve years on on, on a coolant change. I don't care who you are. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Oh, 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 hang on. Hang on. Hang on, Jim. Hang on. For the people who are listening to this show, this is Jim from Frontier Towing. He lives this stuff all the time and has for probably 25, 30 years of owning his own business, which is Frontier Towing. Okay, now you can go ahead. Okay, thanks. So, so yeah, so let me explain to you how bad it really is. So on, on a semi-truck, not changing your coolant every 12 or 24 months leads you to an engine rebuild. Mm, okay, so coolant co- today, coolant costs $15 a gallon, $10 a gallon, 15 let's say 15 So $15 in a, in a semi-truck, it takes about 12 gallons. So what is that, 200 bucks? The engine rebuild, yeah, is 22000 I don't know. I'm not much of a math guy, but. I like to think I am, but I'm not. So 200 or 22,000. <laughs> Which way do you want to go? In a car, you're not <laughs> rebuilding them. You're, you're just changing it because there's no way to counteract it. 
like it's just like what you were talking about the oil coolers in the in the trans in the radiators for the transmissions well now you've just contaminated mm-hmm. your transmission with 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 coolant uh, a, t- a 10 speed transmission today that runs on what did you just say uh 15 different types of transmission fluid 15 i mean good 13. lord how could there be 15, 13 how could there be 13 different types there's I don't I mean, know. Somebody's what? colorblind? I don't know. <laughs> 13 types. There's synthetic and regular, and there's Ford, and there's GM, and I don't know where, I mean, and there's Chrysler, I guess. There's, I don't know where 13 types comes up, but that's a lot of that's a lot of oil, differentials in oils, to figure out which one you need to get it ruined because you didn't properly maintain your cooling system. And the cooling system... It, it's just—it's not just electrolysis. It's—it's wear in the seals. The dirty coolant eats the seals up in the water pumps. Uh, that takes out your timing belt. That takes out your head because it's—it's it's an interference motor. You know, it's—it's—it's it's, it's just blah. It's everything that can go wrong goes wrong because of bad cooling. I, I, and I've seen it. I've—I've I've been guilty. I've not done it, and I've paid the price. So when, when, when well, you're I think canceling? I think that's the reason uh, the statistics start coming out. It's just like with a COVID shot: you got to have it, you got to test it, then you got to read the results and see how actually effective it is. And that's one thing. But uh, getting back to checking the, you can actually we use an ohmmeter with a vehicle running. And you can pull the radiator cap out. You can cap into the water supplies it's actually going through. You can measure the electricity inside of a cooling system and find out how bad it is. Then you can flush it completely out, put the ohmmeter back in there, and guess what? It will still read electric, but it won't read at the level that it did prior because the dirty fluid does not control the um antifreeze the it just doesn't control the electrolysis we should well i'm i'm we worked on a jeep one time and it was shorting out and we couldn't figure out what was going on well they had a heater return line coming out of the heater core going back to the front and it was laying it was about a three-quarter inch line laying right across the top of the spark plug wires and there was a couple of spark plug wires that was actually touching the water. The spark plug wires were actually transferring the electric through from the wire to the rubber hose. That And you, you think rubber, that's what you use to insulate. Yeah, that's what we thought too. But there was enough fire coming through the spark plug wires internally to where it actually went through the heater hose, and voila, we've got all sorts of electricity inside that system. So there's a lot of hidden stuff that you really don't run across, and you really don't see it in an automotive repair manual or, a, you know, the the repair log. You pull it up, and it gives you about 9,000 things it could be. It's not even in there. So that comes from experience on these things and just being there under the hood with these systems. And this was on a Jeep. It had the little six-cylinder Jeep motor in it. And 
That's the first time I had ever seen that. I didn't even think it was possible because the big, thick rubber hose and the coating on the spark plug, and it was actually arcing through to the hose. We had to reposition the hose just to get it away from it so we could clear it up. So just keep that, that in mind that, when you're playing with this That's stuff. crazy. That's crazy. Yep. Well, wh- what happened with us was because when I first started doing trucks, I – I didn't know everything there was to know about trucks. I still don't know, but um, there was a guy, one of the salesmen from Merle's came over, because we've used Merle's for about a million years, like everybody, and they brought the yeah. Wix rep. And the Wix rep was selling, you know, they're selling their filters and professing, you know, their their knowledge on, on how great their filters are and how, what the, you know, why their filters are better than somebody else's filters. And, you know, you, you listen to a salesman, and most of them have, really good knowledge about their product. But where yep. he where he really excelled was that he was selling the water filters for the big trucks. And what he was explaining was this, and I, I didn't know this, and it just it just cued me up as, as we're talking about this. Um, uh, the the water gets dirty. Why does the water get dirty? Well, the water gets dirty because it doesn't evaporate. It's closed system. How does it get dirty? Well, it gets dirty from the engine because the engine actually continues to corrode and rust as we... And the, and the water gets hot, that causes the calcium to build up, right? So the water filter's job right. is to clean that. And as the water gets dirty, so and and rust occurs and calcium occurs, that those that metal even slightly in the cooling system is able to carry the electric charge through the cooling system, creating the magnetic mm-hmm. field, which causes electrolysis, which then then. Builds up a charge just like static, and then bang, it, it, it starts eating away at, at a filter at a spot, and that and that sure. really explained it to me. Hopefully, I did that correctly. So, you did. <laughs> so that, his his point what? was use the filters, and it will and it will help clean the system, which will extend the life. Plus, their filters have a have the chemical in them to help combat the the uh, help neutralize. It has like the 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 chemical in there to help re- neutralize the acidic value to hopefully reduce the electrolysis. Anyway, um, right. The, uh, his point was use this But you got to change it. You can, yeah, well, change it one, but use this product to extend the life of your cooling system, you know, so you can take it from 12 to 24 or 12, 24 to 48. And his point was, you know, and they have, you know, just like you guys, the little strips, you test the pH, you test the, the chemicals in the cooling system, and you can pull it out and see how, what chemicals you're lacking. The the ohmmeter thing works too, but, you know, the chemicals in the cooling system was what they were really after because they wanted, you know, they, they know that you're just going to, in today's world, aluminum radiators corrode like nobody's business. The seals go bad. The radiator fails. Great. You're not fixing it. You're buying a new one. So, and it was it was really interesting for because he was very knowledgeable about this subject, and I, I wish I could remember everything he said, but um, it basically it was maintain your cooling system. That was his that was his whole spiel. If you maintain this just a little bit, you're going to have a lot better uh, luck in your uh, in your uh, vehicle. Yes, you will. That's my spiel, Jerry. Uh, That's my spiel. You know the. Uh, when when we test them with the ohmmeter, we just you know drop it in. We did it mainly for just curiosity. <laughs> we we use the strips to test, but every now and then you know you'll take a, a technician in a garage and uh, an owner or service manager, and they'll say, you know, 
I was reading, and first thing you want to do is take the next vehicle that rolls through there and say, okay, let's check this one out. This meets the qualifications of one that could possibly have this issue. Let's see what we've got so we can understand it better. And, oh, yeah, it's there. It's there. The uh, coolant, uh, people would go out and used to when the hundred and the lifetime antifreeze come out with General Motors, the chocolate, the chocolate milk, you know, the one that created chocolate, <laughs> like chocolate sludge. And my father-in-law had a little Buick, and it had 21,000 miles on it. He sent it in there for an oil change, and we did an oil change. But there, we were seeing so many problems with the GM uh, lifetime antifreeze. We went in a little deeper, and we pulled the radiator cap off his little car. And, oh, my gosh, it was just, it was a chocolate uh, color but it had a it had a consistency of like a whipped cream, and it was a holy crap. So called him up and told him, "You take this thing back down to the dealer. You got twenty one thousand miles on it, and get this stuff changed out." And he did. He couldn't believe it. And I said, "I, I figured you couldn't believe it." So we took a little sample and put it in a little container. Actually, we put it in a, a little styrofoam cup. So that when he come in, I could show him what we were talking about. And then people say, okay, that stuff is garbage. That stuff is only garbage if you don't change it. And I, <laughs> I'm, I'm like you with that hundred, that 12 years of stuff like that. You know, it's liquid. It moves consistently depending on how many miles you drive. It just, it's moving all the time. So. You need to change it. You need to at least have it tested to find out where you're at. Because if that stuff, after a while, it happened to my dad, and he's another one that didn't listen to me. And uh, when he got ready to fix his car, he just sold it. He just he just actually sold it to a salvage yard because everything in it was a mess. The engine was a mess internally. Uh, he did have it checked out, spent a lot of money to have it diagnosed, uh, reading as having this little cooling issue. It, even when he called me and I told him, he still didn't believe me. He had it checked out. He spent some good money getting it checked out, and it turned out that I was correct. I said, Dad, I've seen these things over and over and over and over. And But he just uh, he drove it until, you know, like I told him one time before, if you don't do preventive maintenance on your car, and keep everything like it's supposed to be. When it starts going out, it'll probably go out within a month of everything on there because you've neglected it all the way through. Old farmer says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I said, I got another one for you. Take out a burial policy on that car because when it does break, you're not going to afford, you can't afford to fix it. It's going to be astronomical. Guess what? He didn't. And then he wound up selling it to a salvage yard for like 50 bucks or something like that. It was wore completely out because of lack of maintenance. So, uh, and as far as the Wix filters, I can probably get a hold of that Wix representative that I had on a few years ago here, a couple of years. And we can get him in and talk more about the type of filters. Now, back up. To the change, you know, the green stuff, nobody ever had a problem with the green stuff, as long as you kept it changed. If you change, if you compromise the cooling system on your car, 
a good little habit to get into, especially in the state of Arizona where it's a dead gone hot and that thing's working overtime. Get it changed every two years, 24,000 miles, and get the system flushed out. Clean it out. Get it out. You put it on a fancy flush machine or whatever you want to call it, and get this system completely cleaned. Now, told you that to tell you this. People were getting the GM uh, antifreeze changed out, which you can do, but you have to flush it completely to get it out. And keep in mind, GM is like the rest of these manufacturers. They put in the special antifreeze that, you know, to try to combat the difference in different metals, the aluminum heads, the iron blocks. And so they have their own formula of antifreeze they want to use. Well, the green stuff had been around for eons, and they've had aluminum heads and all of this, but the, the, the difference is they change it. Now, if you're going to switch from a GM brown, and I'll pick on GM, any, if, you're going to, if you're going to change antifreeze in something that it wasn't originally from the manufacturer, when that stuff is changed, you have to flush it all out there's you can't leave it in in pockets because you mix green with brown you've got a, enough acid in there to eat a head bolt so you need to get it flushed out properly then do it and then you should be safe if you're going to do it gm we found out with the gm coolant hey to your twenty four thousand. you know that's a good that's a good combination it's like with any antifreeze, two-year, 24,000 on these vehicles. Now, on the big trucks, the diesels, once that thing is compromised, they go two-year, 24,000 miles of that. And they'll say, well, you know, maybe we can stretch it out six months and we can save the consumer. And I'm going, save the consumer what? Time before an engine goes and they have to really spend some serious money? Or... Do you actually take care of it and get it? Joe Cross on Tucson Cylinderhead. Joe had a Ford truck diesel, and he changed the oil in that thing every 3,000 miles. It was a diesel. It has 13 quarts or something like that in that diesel he had. Changed it every 3,000 miles, running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Last time I talked to him, he was at 225,000 miles on that truck, 223, I think. And... No problems whatsoever because he changed the oil at 3,000 miles. He didn't wait for the oil to start breaking down. He got it before it got him, and that, to me, was just, that is proof in the pudding right there. So that's my spill on that. What would you like to add to that, Mr. Frontier Towing? <laughs> well, you know, you're you're... You're absolutely right on, on the coolant about flushing. Um, mixing the two two separate types of antifreeze is, is a bad, a very bad combination. They do not interact mm-hmm. well. And if um, and it, we'll knock on the GM coolant, it's good coolant. It's very very caustic. Um, so if you think that you're going to take your coolant out of your system that runs green coolant, and you're going to put in the red coolant or the brown coolant, as Jerry calls it. Um, you got to check everything else out because the new GM cars that are designed to run the new coolant, well, even 15, 20 years ago they've been running this stuff, have different seals in them. So water pumps right. fail if you if you were using the old-style coolant because that's what it was built for, or uh, even another manufacturer's type of coolant. Um, the seal, the water pump seals fail because the 
because the antifreeze mm-hmm. eats them alive. The hoses are on GM are so clone lined that you know regular hoses will start to prematurely fail. Um, a cylinder head, um, any little any little uh, discrepancy starts to eat away at the gaskets because it's not designed for that type of coolant. So before you just arbitrarily change, do like Jerry says, check the OEM and and make sure you get it right because. I'd rather change the coolant every 24 months and for for the tune of a couple hundred dollars versus, you know, find out I got to change head gaskets or water pumps. And water pumps on well, water pumps on a, tra- on a on a sideways motor, that's, you know, 8-hour job. Yeah, at least. <laughs> at least. Uh that's the reason on your sideways motors that Jim's referring to. If you go in and you have to change the water pump, uh, uh, or you go in and you change the belt, uh, timing belt, or the timing chain requires to be changed or something like that, if it's got a water pump exposed in there, you change it while you're there because access to the water pump is horrendous. Access to a timing belt or a timing chain is horrendous. But once you get to access to the timing belt, and a time and chain, you're right at the water pump. Change the water pump. Then all you're faced with is basically about two-tenths of an hour to change it. It's there. It's in front of you. Buy the water pump. Put the, They're not that expensive. Put the water pump in, and at the same time, you do these timing belts because most of your timing belts are going to expire anywhere from 90000 up to 125 and yes, I've heard the story about the timing belt that goes to 190,000 miles. I've also seen a Toyota that come in there with a young lady driving it, and if she'd had a lead foot, she'd been walk, she'd been walking, because that timing belt in that Toyota looked like fishing line with a little bit of parts of black stuff on it, little black spots. Looked like somebody put a, 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 a indicator on it. Oh, yeah, this is not really fishing line. It's actually what's left of a timing belt. I seen that. I could not believe that that belt was actually still working. That tells you that that young lady does not hot ride that. And another thing on the timing belts, most of the time when a timing belt goes or a timing chain, if it's worn out, will go when you're decelling, when you take your foot off the accelerator. Figure that one out. But that's that's the common thing. You don't want, and speaking of timing belts, if you're running a interference engine, which most of your little engines are now, you want to make sure that that timing belt is what it's supposed to be. So read your owner's manual on there. I think some of them say check check the timing belt at 90000 check the timing belt at 100000 It depends on what you're doing with that. If you're towing, if you've got a little SUV and you've got a horse trailer hooked to the back end of it and it has a rubber timing belt on it, that is working that engine as hard as you can possibly work that engine. Get that timing belt checked. Don't, you know, if you're driving up, we see cars 225, 230, 250, all time, 190, check the timing belt. We asked them, have you ever changed your timing belt? And some of them have an easy access where you can actually see them to see what condition they're in. Very few of them do, though. 
And then the other one, you have to do some exploratory surgery, like Mr. Test First, don't guess. Actually, you can look at the timing belt and see what condition it's in. So when you see it and it looks like it's going to blow up on you, then get it changed. Don't wait till you go from to Phoenix or something like that, and then it happens halfway there. Then, of course, you call Jim. Jim loves it because you call Jim and Frontier Toe and have to come and get you. And, you know, that's just money. That's that's the way he's in business. And, by the way, Frontier Towing stays so busy. <laughs> that's the reason Jim comes on and tells you, this is what I would do to keep you off the road. And so I don't have to come That's right. or keep you on the road, so I don't have to come and get you. That is exactly right. <laughs> so, that, that is exactly right. It's, it's, we are, we get busy. Everybody's, you know, tow guys are busy. And, you know, it's just, the, folks, I'm going to tell you, you don't have to worry. I will be in business. There's plenty of work for me. Okay? Yes. <laughs> I just want you to not have... I want you to avoid the stupid things. You know, there's so many avoidable things that we can do to make our lives a little easier. I just want that. There's there's plenty of perils out there that you don't even know about that are going to cause you a headache today. So if I can help you save this one little thing today and that makes your life go a little bit better, I'm I'm all for it. I am all for it. Because tomorrow mm-hmm. you're going to face that same peril over again. So eventually it's like playing, you know, the lottery, you may win, but in your case, you—it's not a win. It's a—it's a oh dang! Now I got to mess, mess with this. Um, That's right. In reference to your 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 timing belt, Jerry. Um, again, we've told him, and I've seen him. The belt just got changed, and the water pump locked up because it didn't get changed, and now yeah. now the car doesn't run because the new belt has a little bit better has is, is tighter. It, it's got a little bit more, more. Um, it's a little bit better in condition. Um, it puts a little more pressure on the water pump. The water pump bearing can't take it. The water pump seizes up, takes the belt out, and then your car's not going anywhere. So when you said exactly. change that water pump, oh, my goodness, I, I would preach that to the choir. Every, I wouldn't even stop and think twice. Just do it. It's, it's a, like he says, it's, a, it's the cheapest thing, the cheapest insurance you can do. Um, it's, it's, and you're right. You're right. It, it's really hard to explain unless you've ever done this. The, the eight hours it takes you to find that timing belt after taking off the alternator, the air conditioner, the power steering pump, all the guards, all the, the, the tire, usually the right front tire so you can get the shields yep. off. So you get in there and now you're at the time, and now you're at the, the, the timing belt and right in the ma- smack in the middle is the water pump, which could be the tensioner too. Some of them are the tensioners that you have to rotate the water pump in the housing to get the tension on the on the uh, belt correct. Okay, I don't. I guess that was a, a that guy got a bonus at the engineering school. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so now you you're sitting there and you're messing with the water pump anyways. Take it out and throw it away. Now I'm not saying that parts today are perfect. We see Jerry sees it. I see it. You put on a brand new part. And the car comes back in, and you're thinking, well, I just changed that part. It can't be bad. How many times has that happened, Jerry? The brand-new part you oh put my on God. All the time. That's, that's where you put warranties on them. And right. uh, when, when they go out, you just – things happen. It's manufactured, and it could have a defect in it. I don't care what part you buy. All of them are subject to not work right. 
And that's the reason when you get them on, you run it through the heat cycles. You retest everything. You make sure everything is like it's supposed to be. And just when you buy a timing chain to go in a vehicle or a timing belt, get the kit. The kit has a different because you've got bearings on there that are supposed to be tension bearings, uh, but yet there's no tension on them because the, the fishing line has gotten a lot looser. And then you go back in with something new, and on this pulley assembly, the uh, tensioner, all of a sudden they've got a load that they haven't been used to having. And then they spit it out. Don't Don't go in and spend good money to have a timing belt replaced without buying a timing belt kit or a timing chain kit. Get it all done so that you won't be having these problems. Had a little conversation with my brother back on the East Coast about his Impala with the struts. And he said, uh, can I just buy the, the inside gut of the, the shock for that strut? And I said, no. And he said, why not? People do it. I said, I don't care what people do. You ask me, and I'm telling you, you buy the whole kit, everything that's involved with that strut, you put it on, you're done, you've got the system right. If you don't, you've got everything from a coil spring not sitting in the spring tower correctly, and it's just a pain in the butt. You'll be revisiting it again. Okay, so, you know, he's, now he's going out and he's whining because of the price of it. I said, quit whining, man. You know, go buy another car just like that one. See how much that costs you. And it's still going to need stretch eventually. So that's how you – he said, well, it's starting to ride like Dad's old car. I said, Dad's car was wore out. He said, yeah. And I said, your car is now wore out. It's got 190,000 miles on this thing, and you keep hanging on to it because it just runs flawless. Well, but fix the suspension on it now. So he's doing that, and uh, we got that settled out. But Jesus, you know, that sometimes we're, 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 what is it? Dollar smart, penny stupid, or something like that. And that would, that would qualify correct. for the going in and changing a belt or a timing change without changing the water pump. Then, because the water pump's going to cost you almost nothing at that point. And just do it. You'll be happy you did. What else would you I, like I to tell add you. to that one? Well, I, I was going to say, I could tell you, I've towed into a, a lot of shops in this town, thousands of them. I don't know any shop, and I don't care who they are, I don't know any shop that wouldn't change, that wouldn't recommend a water pump change or the, the the timing chain with the guides. Almost every one of them can quote you the guides. They can quote you the numbers. They know every single one that every single hydraulic tensioner. They've seen them all. They they know every single part that goes in there. And they and they don't uh, they won't um, do it because they don't want it to be a failure. If you're going to do it yourself and and skimp on it, you're going to learn right away that that was a whole lot of wasted time. Um, and then have, and then you're gonna have to take somebody to fix the the failure that occurred because you you got you got cheap for five minutes, and then you get to hear yeah. about it from everybody else who says, "Well, you should have just done that. You knew you better should have done that." And hey, you want to hear that? <laughs> you want to hear that? Well, yeah. You know, when you, you when you take up, a, this is your life. <laughs> when you take an automobile into a shop to have it repaired, that's where you pick your shops. But 
they it's our responsibility down at Simmons and Parker and automotive specialists. We can tell you this is what is related to that. Uh, it's never been changed. You've got 150,000 miles on it. We're there. We're, we're in this thing now. Do you want these parts changed or you want to wait and pay us the eight hours to get access to it again? They do not last forever. They do not last forever. And then if they say no, say, okay, you document that and you tell, put it on the customer's paperwork and remind him that these things have the potential of failing. And it's, it's recommended from time, just because the time and the mileage on the car, that these things can fail. We've seen it. There's statistics all over the place on these things. And then the consumer has the right to start saving his money, knowing he's going to have to go back in there and get it. Uh, or most of them, I, no, I take it back. A lot of people will just say, well, you know, I'll just take it in and I'll get a new car. Uh, so they get a new car. And let me tell you what happens then. You're so used not to maintaining your vehicle, you get this new car and you've got the extended warranty. It costs you about $3,000 to take it to 100,000 miles. And something happens to this. And then they say, well, did you follow your owner's manual on this? Did you do what you're expected to do on the warranty on this car? You have to change the oil. And by the way, there's a couple of things that kill timing chains. Bad, dirty oil is number one. Number two is bad, dirty oil and towing, towing with that vehicle or pulling it awful hard or running the crap out of it. You put dirty oil in there that's supposed to be clean to handle the chains, to handle all of the anything it touches with oil and it's dirty, you're going to have a problem. And so if you want to go 100,000 miles on an oil change or 10,000 miles on an oil change or 15,000 miles on an oil change, by all means, that's the other reason that garages stay two weeks in advance. The good ones, we do. Parker does. Uh, Brian Fuller does. But what we like to do is when we send you out of there, you should be able to travel. You should be able to have a dependable car. And that's the reason we do check sheets on them when you roll in. We check them to make sure that when you leave there, you're not going to come back in two hours or two days or a month or two months and say, hey, Jerry, what? why, why didn't you tell me about this? Or did you check this while you were there? You know, and they get excited about it. So that's the reason you don't miss anything. You check everything that you know is a common wear or uh, part, and then you make the customer aware of it. Write it down. If he don't have the extra $500 to fix it or something like that, put it down in big letters so that he will know this is what you will be needing shortly, so save you money. And, you know, it's called customer service. It's taking care of their car like you'd want somebody to take care of yours. And then they have it. They make the decision. We don't have any guns or anything we put to your heads. And But there's a lot of people that don't even want to hear it. I don't want to hear about that stuff. I don't want to hear about it. You don't have to hear about it. We'll write it down. 
you're going to hear about it. If you read the paperwork, you'll hear about it because it will be in writing for you. And then you you say, well, you know, I, I you know, I, I I don't really know. Take that paperwork that we give you, take it to another garage and have it verified. That way you will know one way or the other. If you get two people saying, yeah, well, you know, he, he, he's right here. Or, no, you don't need that thing. Okay. Uh, do, do your, do your homework. People who put stuff in writing and hand it to you, it's verifiable. See what I'm saying? That's exactly right. And, and the other thing is, is if, if you're going to a shop and, and you don't, and you don't feel like what you're getting is, is truthful, well then you're, you're not going to like their work or any work they do. Because you're not going to believe anything they say. That's right. You write it down and 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 you go to another shop if you if you think so. When you get a couple, of, you get the two two or three of the same thing, you're gonna you're gonna go. Well, I guess they all are right. Because <laughs> man, I've been yep. shops and said, oh, I, I don't believe that. And you know, the guy's like, look, I'm an expert on this. You're not. You know, I, if if you don't believe me, that's okay. But uh, I'm not going to fix it halfway. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go out there and fix it halfway, and then ha- then you're going to be mad at me and tell me that I did it wrong and and the whole nine yards. Because because I know what I I no I don't know any shop that doesn't want to fix a car and have it go out and then have it turn around and come back in in 15 minutes. Nobody wants that experience. That's ever. Right. Especially today. That's right. Ever. So, yep. Ever. <laughs> ever. And so if you don't feel ever, never, guys, ever, <laughs> never, ever, another ever. another. Getting back to the cooling system, if you go buy an engine from, uh, we buy a lot of the uh, Jasper engines because we've had very good luck with them. But if you don't fix the cooling system and make sure that cooling system is correct and something happens to the cooling system and takes out that Jasper engine, guess what Jasper says? They come back to the installer. And they say, did you check this? Did you check that? Did you check? Did you make sure his radiator's clear? Do you? And he goes through the, I mean, they go through the 9,000 things that we already know. So if you put an engine together and you put a brand new engine, would you put an engine in your race car without having a good cooling system? Heck no. That'll take it out about two laps after you hit the, the racetrack. And it's the same thing on a car. That cooling system is super critical. You've heard me over the years tell you if your engine has been leaking oil or seeping oil, which is a leak, and running down the side of the block and you've been picking up a road, you live on a dirt road and you pick up dust, a dust puts a blanket on that motor. And the film from the oil that goes out, it circulates, it just blows around inside, attaches itself to the motor, then the dirt attaches itself to the oil, then the oil is still there again, and you start packing this stuff up. Once you put that blanket on that block, believe it or not, that's part of the cooling system. That's part of the cooling system. How in the world, I mean, when you go out, you go outside this morning, you better put a jacket on. You don't, you're going to know it. Well, when you block the heat from getting away from the inside of the motor to the outside, you've got that big blanket on the outside of that block. It keeps the heat from escaping. And you're going to have additional heat. Well, if that condition is so bad, what is the rest of the condition? 
All you're doing is adding. You're not even putting a Band-Aid on it. You're just adding to it. So, okay, I got a good, clean uh, cooling system. Yeah, yeah, it's it's perfect. Yeah, really? You went to Phoenix, a lot of bugs. You went in the monsoon season. You got into around uh, Casa Grande, and you started running across bugs coming in. When you got home, did you look at the front of the uh, your AC condenser? Did you look at the front of your radiator to see what kind of bugs you picked up on the way? We actually peeled, reached in, grabbed a hole to the top of it, and peeled a layer of debris off of a Jeep. It was an 18 degree difference in the cooling system, when we, and that's all we did. We reached up, got it, we fired it up, and we hit it with a gun again, see what the temperature was. 18 degrees, just from cleaning the outside front of his condenser and uh, radiator. But the radiator, when we got to that thing, no, it didn't have a condenser had just a radiator. We grabbed the top of the radiator. We peeled the garbage, just like you'd take a, a peel a stair off a car or something. But it was absolutely incredible. So, and people think, well, I got a good cooling system. Well, maybe you want to take a garden hose and, you know, when you get home and take a look at your AC condenser and you want to try to get the water hose at a low, don't use a, a 1,700-pound sprayer or anything like that, but go to the inside of the radiator with the motor off and back flush the radiator externally from the back, the, the side it goes to the engine to the front because that's the way the stuff come in was from the front. Push it back out of the cores. And clean that thing out. You'd be surprised what you get when you do it. If you really want to have fun with it, park it on park it on your concrete driveway, and then back flush it, and you can really see what comes out of it. Dirt. You'd be surprised at how much dirt you're going to get out of it. Of course, Arizona don't have wind or anything like that. But I mean, you still have dirt. You have little bugs. You have gnats. You have everything that goes in there. When a bug hits, it splatters. Then you have the dirt coming through the wind at 70 miles an hour, come down the freeway. The bug splatters. That's a moisture engine like a glue, and then the dirt hits it. So when you think about it, you go, wow. Well, it's true. So if you'll keep that done, and you can do that yourself. You don't have to take it to the garage. But don't use, don't try to blow it through to the inside just because that's more convenient because all you're going to do is stop it up because most of your condensers on these cars now for air conditioning, you can't. They're they're too thin. You just you just can't clear them out. So go to the back, spray it in. If you want to use a little bit of uh, uh, cleaner on it, uh, you can use Dawn dishwashing liquid that cuts it. Uh, you can use uh, uh, Simple Green. That's that's most popular, and just spray the Simple Green on there. Then. That loosens everything up. Then go to the inside of the radiator and blow it to the outside. Inside the engine compartment, blow it back to the front bumper. All right, we're out of time for the first hour, Jim. So if you'd like to hang on, I've got uh, Mike, I mean Mike, Scott coming up from Parker Automotive, and uh, we can do the show. So just hang on, Jim. All right, we'll be right back to these messages. 